you please remain standing. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus said this, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You have wicked ladies, servant. You, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. It's good to be here with you all this morning as we are gathered here to worship God together. Uh, I want to begin this morning by reminding you that if you need invite cards to carry or you've not picked any up yet or you've handed them out, uh, there's a basket of them in the Welcome Center. Uh, the picture of them is on the screen if you'd like to look. These cards are intended to be a tool for you uh, to easily make the invitation to invite someone to church. I know at times in conversations it comes up what church you attend, especially for those that are not attending church. This is an easy way for you to say, this church is meaningful to me, here's a card, and then it's it. You don't have to do anything else, you don't have to make the sale, uh, you're not like doing any of that, uh, you're just giving a people an opportunity uh, to be a part of our church and to become a part of what we're doing here at First Methodist. I know some people don't attend church because they fall out of the habit, or maybe they're looking for a new church, or maybe they're just uh, needing something else or they've never been church, so this is the perfect time for us to invite them uh, to be a part of what we're doing. And so if you haven't picked up cards, I invite you to do so. If you have and you handed them out, way to go. If you'd take another couple, I'd appreciate it. And I want us all to be in prayer for uh, the opportunity that we have to hand these cards out so that we come in contact with people that then when the Holy Spirit kind of gives you an urge, a nudge, you'll go, oh, wait, here you go. Um, I know that uh, I wish I would have had one about three months ago. We hadn't gotten them done yet. Uh, Katie and I were at Albertsons talking to someone and we church came up. I don't know how or why, honestly. Um, you know, and he said, well, man, I, I, I've been looking for a church and I wish I would have had the card because I would be able to say, you know, I said we go to First Methodist and everything, but I wasn't able to hand it to him. 
and I think um, that would have been something that, that would have been a positive thing to do. And, and so we just have to make the invite, and we have to get, let God do the rest. All right, so today we're in our second Sunday of our current sermon series that I'm calling 3T. Uh, my goal in this series is for us to be able to look at three different parables as we see how Jesus teaches on how we're to use our time, our talent, and our treasure for the kingdom of God. And so I hope that what we're going to be able to do is we're going to be able to look at his parables and we're going to be able to see and identify ways that Jesus wants us to use these things as blessings by which we can bless God and we can bless other people. And so I hope what we can do is as we're talking about them and thinking about them is we can practice some self-examination to see how our life and faith is a reflection of what we do and of how we choose to follow God. Last week, we began by looking at how we use our time. We did so by looking at the story of the Good Samaritan, which often is not really looked at in terms of time, but often the story of the Good Samaritan, when we teach it, we talk about how the Samaritan showed mercy to someone that was unexpected. And so last week, we looked at this parable from Luke chapter 10, and we thought about how the Samaritan used the time that God had given, and we asked the question, how am I able to use the time that God has given me? We thought about how each 24-hour period is a gift from God. And I hope that what we were able to do is we are all able to see that each day is a gift, that God has given us a new day to serve Him and to respond to the gift of grace that He's given us. And so in the Samaritan story, the Good Samaritan makes himself available to God and to this man that has been left for dead on the side of the road. And so he was able to meet this man in his need. And so my hope as we're thinking about this story is that as we look and prayerfully consider it, we'll think about how we use our time and about how we make ourselves available to the work of God into our lives and to opportunities that God has given us so that we'll be better stewards of our time. I also hope that we can look at our time and we can think about how the Spirit prompts us to make ourselves available by taking control of our time. That way, when the Spirit does prompt us to do something, to have the conversation, to meet someone wherever they're at, we're available and we're not running so far behind that we're like a chicken with its heads cut off and God needs us here and our body's already way over there. Um, so, today let's talk about uh, the parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. I want us to do so and I want us to think about how the talents are gifts that God has given us. And just as we're to be good stewards of our time, God also expects us to use the talents and gifts that he's given us to accomplish his work in the world. And I think the neat thing about this is that God invites us to be a part of what he's doing. God provides us these gifts and, and gives us opportunities to, to be a participant in his plan. And so it's his choice to include you. It's not an obligation. It's not something that you're required to do. We're not part of a faith that you have to practice and you have to check off a list of different works that you complete in order to achieve a correct relationship with God or even to achieve salvation. That's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is faith in grace, right? It's faith in, in responding to the grace of God, responding to the forgiveness that Jesus has offered us. And so we have to find that balance in using the gifts that God has given us because God has gifted us and he needs us to be a part of what he's doing. But it's also not required. And so we live into that because it's a blessing. It's a gift for us to participate in his work. 
He doesn't need you to do anything. But He gives you an opportunity to share in and to practice in the life of faith with Him. And see, friends, I think if we are faithful with what He gives us, we position ourselves to be faithful with even greater things. And I don't think that that's God's giving you greater things. I think what that is is it changes our mindset and it changes the way we view the Christian faith and the lens by, through which we uh, see everything that God has given us to where we're just more inclined to be faithful, to be a servant, to be someone that we know that God wants us to be. I think one of the greatest misunderstandings of the, of the church today and probably of the church for the last 2,000 years has been participating in the kingdom of God is that we get this idea that if God would just do X, whatever X is, then I would do more. Has anyone ever thought that? I know I have. Okay. If God would just do X, then I would serve him more. If God would just do X, I would give more. I would be more present, whatever it is. And see, I think the thing, the first thing that we have to remember as Christians and we have to realize as we read this parable and as we think about the life of faith is that whatever we do, it shouldn't be contingent on what God does first. God's already done everything that he needs to do, hasn't he? God sent Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. God offers us an opportunity for relationship and an opportunity for eternal life. God's already done everything for you. And so we don't have to say, if God would just do X, well, then I'd do this. Because God's already done everything that he needs, right? He's already done everything that we need to be in relationship with him, to respond to his gift of grace, to receive his forgiveness. All we can do is respond to what he has already done and to the life that he continues to offer us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so what we can do is we can be faithful with what we have in the way we choose to live. With our behaviors, with our patterns, with our choices, with our decisions, with everything. Because if we're unfaithful with what we have now, we can't expect our faithfulness to increase if God gives us an upper, an, another opportunity or an, an additional opportunity. That's not how it works. See, friends, I think if you look at your faith now or if you look at the way you practice your faith and if you're not someone that serves and you're saying, God, if you'll just give me a chance someday to do this, here's the thing. If it's not part of who you are today and how you're responding to his grace, you're not going to see it and you're not going to get out. You're not going to even respond to that opportunity unless we make it a choice today. It's kind of like prayer and study. If you don't structure your life and your time today to include God in your 24-hour cycle, you're not going to do so tomorrow unless you intentionally make the choice to do so, right? Our behaviors today are exactly how they will be tomorrow if we do not choose to make the choice or choose to engage, or intentionally make whatever change it is that we need to make for God. That's just, it's just how it works. It's like, um, you know, kind of like someone training to be a professional athlete. And I know I always talk about professional athletes because it's easy, and they're easy examples. But whatever the sport, if you're a young athlete, and you take the time to shoot extra shots, to do extra throws, to run the extra sprints, to do whatever it is, the extra opportunities to compete, whatever the things are that are extra, 
Those are the things that are going to translate and they're going to become behaviors that, that, that go on to take you into that next step as you get older. And as you get older, if you continue those things, then obviously your improvement, your ethic gets established. As I was working on my sermon this week, I came across a quote on my Facebook feed. Um, is it up? Oh, Don Staley. Oh, so Don Staley's the coach of the, the South Carolina Gamecocks women's basketball team. Um, and she, this is one of her quotes. And I know there's other uh, coaches that have done similar quotes to this. But, you know, basically she's saying, you know, if, if uh, y'all got big league dreams on backyard work ethic. Do you get what I'm saying on that? Do you get what she's saying on that? Think about how many talented people there are who don't work beyond practice, games, or official competitions. They get petered out, or they get outworked by less, talent, less naturally talented athletes who put the time in and who become better and who get the opportunities. That's like a life in faith. We can't be disciples of Jesus Christ if we're not putting the work in. If we're not engaging the Word of God, if we're not engaging with other people in our faith, if we're not serving others, if we're not putting ourselves in positions to where we're listening to God's Word to us, the things that we do today, are the th the, that we set up today, are, are the things that we're establishing for ourselves in the futures. And so when it comes to talents, I think we have to begin with the idea that every one of us has been blessed by talents by God. And God intends every one of us to use those same gifts and talents that He has blessed you with to accomplish His plans. Every one of us. I know it's easy to, to fall into this comparison trap. And, and this is that Satan sets this trap for you. Satan gets you looking around and thinking, well, you know, so-and-so's really got all those gifts. And man, the way they use those gifts, you know, they're, they're um, just, you know, they're in the spotlight, everything's happening, or they're so solid of a biblical teacher, or they're such a good singer, or whatever it is. And you know, that comparison trap gets us caught because we spend all our time looking at what other people are doing, and we're not looking at what God wants us to do, right? I like this picture because, you know, there's the comparison trap, right? You know, that little guy zipping off on his rocket while the other one's got to climb the ladder. I'd rather be on the ladder, though. The rocket's run out of gas. <clears throat> See, but I think when we fall into that comparison trap when it comes to using our talents and our gifts, is what we don't do is we don't look at, at, at what the other people have done to establish the foundation for where they're at. Right? Like, you can look at someone, you can think about someone, you can see everything that they are doing and the way that they're living the life of faith, and you can do that without taking into consideration how well prepared they've been by studying God's Word, how they've practiced by putting themselves in positions to learn and to grow, or even how they've pushed themselves to get ahead. You also don't know the things that they have had to wrestle with and they have had to set aside and give to God because they recognize that they were getting between their relationship with God and their life of faith. See, friends, we only see people when they're here. We don't see them when they're at the starting line or wherever they're at. And that's the same thing it is with faith. And so we find ourselves looking at other people, looking at their talents, and then we get to thinking that we're unimportant, we're inadequate, and then we just take ourselves out of the game. 
But here's the thing, is God's given you what you need. And so before you go feeling inadequate or unimportant, I want you to hear that God created you to be you. He created you to be important. He breathed into you the very breath of life. Jesus came and died for you with the sole purpose. I mean, he came with the sole purpose of dying for you. And so I promise you that every gift, every talent, every way that God has chosen to use you is on purpose. And he's given you these gifts and talents to use him both inside the church and outside the church, but in all things to use for his glory. He's given you these gifts and he's given you them to use them. And so we have to use them. We have to respond. We have to contribute. We have to glorify him. And the catch that I think as we read it in this morning's parable is we can't just accept the gifts and not put them to use. All right, let's look at Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus says, Again, it will be a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. The one he gave five talents of money to another two and to another one one talent, according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. I think it's important for us to note where this parable falls in the story of Jesus' teachings. It's nestled right in the middle in Matthew's gospel of a series of teachings that Jesus is teaching his followers about the end times and about how they're prepared for God's return. He wants them to be prepared. He wants us to be ready for God's kingdom to come. And so in this particular parable, this man is going on this journey and he gives gifts to his servants according to their ability. In the time of Christ, I think it was helpful, Cindy mentioned a talent was uh, worth a lot of money. Uh, If it was to, to be weighed, it weighed about 75 pounds of coins. That's a lot of coins. And one talent equaled roughly 6,000 denarii, which was the unit of of measure, the coin of common currency at the time. One denarii was the average wage that an average worker earned in one day's work. So you earned one denarii a day. The work week in Israel consisted of six work days, and then the seventh day was the Sabbath when no one worked. So on average, a workman received six denarii a week for his work. And so a talent would have been roughly the equivalent of 6,240 days or 20 years of wages. I mean, it's a significant amount of money, and I think Jesus wants us to see that because he wants us to, to, to see what the servants did with their talents and then to look at ourselves. The master gave the servants this money without, without what? What did he say? He said, here's this money, and th- there was no instruction. And so the man with the five put it to work and doubled it. The man with the two put it to work and doubled it. And the man who received one hid it in a field. And then Jesus said, After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. When it came to the third, who just buried the talent, 
The master was angry. He was rebuked. And he was thrown out of the city walls. Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't like this parable of Jesus. Does anyone like it? I don't like it because I think at our root, we are a compassionate people, especially as followers of Jesus Christ, is we want other people to be included. We want everyone to experience the grace and love of God that we've experienced. We want them to know Jesus. We want their life to be changed as they repent and leave the things behind that they need to leave behind in order to pursue a life and a response to God's grace that's been given to each of us. And so I think sometimes when we talk about the life change, we overlook, maybe intentionally, or we forget the level of commitment that Jesus demands of his followers, like we're reading in today's parable. Because he demands, what? An intentional life of faith lived in response to his grace. He demands a life that's lived in response by this one servant of receiving the one talent. He expects us to have our lives changed, to have our lives transformed by the Holy Spirit if we really choose to follow him. And when it comes to our gifts and when it comes to our talents, he really expects us to use them. Not to bury them in a field, not to look at someone else and say, I'm inadequate, but he expects us to use them. And I think Paul continued along that thread as he learned of Jesus' ministry and also of his own ministry in the church. He wrote about the gifts that you've been given in the book of Romans. In Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, I only have a little bit of of it on the slide. It says, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form form one body, each member belongs to the others. So Paul is recurring on this, right? He uses the body of Christ teaching in the book of Ephesians, he uses it here in Romans, and he references it in other parts of his letters. He says, we have different gifts according to, his gra- to the grace given us. So you, we all do. If a man's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to faith. If it's serving, let them serve. If it's teaching, let them teach. If it's encouraging, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them do it generously. If it is leadership, let us govern di- diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. See, what Paul says is that God gives gifts to everyone and that every gift is equally important in the eyes of God. The master in the story gave gifts to each servant. Each servant had to decide for himself what he was to do with the gift. And that's how it is with our own. If we choose to use our gifts for God's glory, then I think what we do is we put them out there for God to bless for God to use, and if the Spirit's working for things to be multiplied. If we choose not to use them, we don't even put them out there and give God the opportunity to use us for whatever way He needs to use us, right? I mean, I have to put myself out there in order for God to use me. I have to be willing to use the gifts that I've been given in order for God to use those gifts for His kingdom. That's the same for all of us. And you know, the use of gifts was not just a challenge in the early church, but it's a challenge today. In 1 Peter 4, verse 10, it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things Christ may be praised. Or in all things Christ may be praised through Jesus Christ. Folks, all we can do is spend less time looking at other people and spend more time seeing how we can make ourselves available for God. Because when we don't use our gifts, we miss opportunities to receive the blessing that comes from helping others and from being present for Him. When we don't use our gifts, we miss opportunities for God to take our contribution, to use it for greater service. When we don't use our gifts, we miss opportunities to help others and to change their lives. When we don't use our gifts, we miss the opportunity even to, do the, to make the invitation. But when we invest and when we use our talents for God's glory, we're putting ourselves out there. And we allow God to use us. The only thing guaranteed is that if we're not willing to get out there, we don't give opportunities for God to bless us in what we're doing. Because we can and we do know the promise that God can and do far more than we could ever do ourselves. We can know that the Holy Spirit is with us whether we're confident in what we're doing or whether we're unsure in what we're doing. And we can know that we can use all these things, not for our glory, but for His. So this morning, I want to leave you with the question on the screen. What talents are you given by God? How are you using them? And how can you?